Hi, I'm Michael Miller, and this is Speaking of Meditation. Join me for interesting conversations with fascinating people who meditate, why they do it, and how it's changed their lives. Now it's a constant companion for me, my meditation practice, knowing that I, I, I have it, I can rely on it, um, it's, it's there for me, and I know it will always be there for me. I will always do this for the rest of my life, I know it. Today I'm talking with Richard Stokes. Richard has a background in the intense world of advertising and media. He spent more than 20 years working with global brands and organizations at board level in the UK and around the world. Now he's transferred and has become a leadership coach, workshop facilitator, and also a fellow podcast host. In this second career, Richard has found his purpose, working with clients one-to-one and in larger team settings. He specializes in advising people and organizations in navigating change, something he understands well, having taken the leap into his own business. Richard learned Vedic meditation in 2016, having witnessed the benefits his wife, Danusha, experienced. They now live in Ibiza with their young son. So speaking of meditation, here's Richard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? I am so well, and I'm really glad to be speaking. Are, are you, in fact, in Ibiza right now? We are in Ibiza. We returned from uh, a rather soggy trip to the UK uh, <laughs> a couple of days ago, and we are sitting. I'm not, I mean, I'm not literally sitting in the sun right now, but out of my Right. Don't don't rub it in that far, Richard. <laughs> it, it's not it's not it's not popular when I when I start to talk about the weather uh, no, no, comparisons. No, just... But um, no, the sun the sun is um, important. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep it under your sun hat. All right. Just... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm I'm really pleased to to talk today because I mean it was it was some time ago that you learned to meditate and and Danusha, and I think. There's a few interesting things to talk about when it comes to meditation, how she came to it, how you came to it together, what that journey has been like along the way. Uh, we should probably touch on the fact that you interviewed Jillian, who taught you on, on your podcast, yes. which, was, which is great. Um, before we get to the meditation itself, I, I want to go back and understand a little bit of your, your personal life journey. Um, and, you know, sometimes this gives us a little view into what created the person who came to meditation. And so I think that's, you know, what was, what was family life like, what was growing up like, and, and then we'll, we'll talk career a bit. So what, what should I know about you and, and your youth? Yeah, well, I guess going all the way back to uh to inception i i uh hey, don't go too far not too far but well, I, I was born into another sunny climate talking of sunny climate so i was born in kenya uh in africa uh in the uh i guess the early 70s and spent some years there and then some some years in dubai and the united arab emirates before it became dubai as you know it now with there mm. were no skyscrapers there were no major hotel groups and all of that kind of thing it was a very uh or a quiet, uh, very traditional um, version of itself. Uh, and then what, what did happen, I think is important to mention, is my parents um, separated and divorced when I was quite young, when I was five. 
Um, so we know that's you know a key point in any child's life. You know those those years, especially under seven. Um, so that happened, and you know my mother and I sort of had to navigate that. We moved back to the UK. My father stayed out in in Dubai, um, and life was uh, life was good. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know if I can say idyllic, but it also wasn't tragic and terrible. Um, my mother worked really hard to give me um, what I needed. And my, my, my father wasn't um, completely absent, by the way. We saw each other for holidays. Um, and when he moved back to the UK, when I was around 10, 11, a lot more frequently. But it was a, a separated household um, hmm. that I um, grew up in, which I think, you know, I, I've been doing a lot more in, in recent years. And, and I'm going to come on to the meditation journey soon. But I've done a lot more inner work of late. And I think recognizing the impact of that um, uh, event in my life, which obviously had a ripple effect throughout everything um, and and making peace with it um, mm. over time, which is an ongoing process, by the way. It's not, it's certainly not, it's not done. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the, um, the early years. And then as, as I say, a very, a very, I'd, I'd call it a very normal upbringing. I guess I normal because that's what I knew. Um, you know, I enjoyed school. Hmm. I wasn't top of the class, but I was, um, somewhere, somewhere near that. Um, uh, not, not a high achiever, I would say in anything particular, but I did well enough, um, and became, you know, the first person in my family to go to university, which hmm. is a real thing. Um, yes. it was not a, perhaps an expected thing. Um, but I think I learned, you know, the value of, you know, if I, if I work hard, if I commit, dedicate some time, then I can follow something which it felt like, yeah, this feels like the right thing to do, I think. Yes. And then that, that dedication to hard work, as mm. I was saying in, in the introduction, I mean, 20 years in corporate advertising and media, that's, that's not halfway. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, um, it's, I guess, the important thing, again, to say, when I was, I don't know, in my late teens or at university, I didn't have a dream to work in the advertising world. This was not a, this is what I must do. Um, it's something I kind of fell into and worked out I was pretty good at uh, and got a lot of enjoyment from. And I think that ten, the, you know, the 20 year tenure, it came from that. I was working with people, I was working with ideas, creating solutions. And I guess I worked out, this is what I really like doing. I'm really, um, I'm kind of into this. Um, and I use the word like very deliberately because I don't, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I don't think I ever look back and I can honestly say, this is what I loved doing. This completely fulfilled me and gave me purpose, but it was enough. It was enough to keep me in it. And um, I, I felt like I was developing. I felt like I was learning. I, was, I said I was meeting wonderful people, including, including my wife. Uh, like lots of people, we, we met in the office environment. I did. I don't think I realized that. Oh, yeah, the, the office thing. Yes. The whole, yeah. the, you know, I don't know. There is, a, there is a, I'm not sure what the number is, but there's a very high percentage of people who do meet future spouses in the office. Mm. At one point, it was definitely over 50%. I'm not yes. sure it quite is that now. Yeah, I guess it's going to tail off a bit now as we spend mm. a little less time. But 
yeah, you know, the um, office life was kind of important to me. Lots of my really good friends met within the working world, my, my wife. Um, and now I work for myself. Guess what? That network that I developed through various different companies that I worked for in that, in that kind of 20 plus year career um, is incredibly important to me. Um, and if, if I were to any, any advice to anyone who's thinking about going out on, the, on their own is to look at your network and develop your network over time, because it's just so important having that, um, having that, those, those collegiate uh, relationships become really important when you're creating your own thing, whatever it might be. Um, and lots of my former colleagues are now my clients. So, you know, isn't that, isn't that great? So talk, mm. talk to me about, you know, sort of the role that you were in when you were in that corporate world and, and then, you know, what it is exactly that you do with Mojo Development. Yeah. So in, in corporate, so I work within the advertising and specifically the media sector of the advertising industry. And that's very much, uh, in, in, in the realm of, working with clients and solving their problems, essentially. Communication problems without going too kind of, uh, I guess, too deep into it. And for me, um, not only, as you said, this is, this is a very intense, very dynamic industry. You might say a young person's industry. You know, the mm. average age of most of the agencies I worked, that was probably around 27, 28. Um, and obviously when you're at that age, or normal, when you start to get older and older, you start to go, where are all the old people going? Mm. <laughs> where where mm. have they gone to? So a very demanding, which is, I think, it is when we come to talk about the meditation piece, it's really important, very demanding industry. And then I, um, over time, I moved from a role which was focused on one market, which was the UK, and gradually expanded. So I spent some time actually working abroad in, in Poland and looked after that region, the sort of Eastern Europe region, which is, you know, incredible experience for me because it was just so different to everything I'd known. Um, but again, adapting to change is something that I obviously work with people on now, but it's something that I've always kind of backed myself with that I can step into a situation and, and, and make the best of it. And then from that um, kind of regional European role, I stepped into a global role. And most of that time was working at the, I would call it the absolute coalface of the industry, which is new business which is mm. going in, meeting new clients, convincing them that your offer is the best offer of the various offers on the table. And uh, in the pitch situation, which is the, the coming together of the, the client and the agency, and it is, a, it is a show. You are creating an absolute song and dance for the client to, to convince them. It, it is, a, it is, it is a, a convincing job that our offer is the best one to go with. And, you know, I... I absolutely loved that. As I said, you know, I wouldn't, I, I, I said I liked my my career, but those points of it where I absolutely loved it because the challenge was so great to go into a, um, a cold room uh, with people who are not, who don't know you, not particularly on your side and warm that room up through your, again, back to the dedication and the hard work and the preparation that we've done as a team and coming out the other side and hopefully getting a, a, a great result um, at the end of the day. So it was very much, um, I went from a, a ro roles that were quite even keel, although in a dynamic industry, to one that was absolutely up and down, up and down, up and down. 
Mm, getting a yes or a no can really change your week or your quarter. <laughs> your year. Absolutely. Yeah. Some some of some of these some of these pitches were worth, you know, such huge numbers that the impact on not just our agency, but the holding group and the share price within that group was 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 very real. So it was and, and the stakes just kind of got higher and higher and higher as obviously I became more senior and um, the, the agencies I worked for were taking on maybe more challenging um, pitches over time. So it was it was a lot. And within, you know, that, you know, we're pitching to clients all over the world. You know, so I was flying an awful lot. Um, the travel absolutely ramped up. And there's no preparation for this. There's no, there's no uh, you know, playbook for it. You just kind of have to get on and, and deal with it. I remember once, I, I mean, this seems crazy to even say this now. I flew to San Francisco from London for less than 24 hours oh. to, to, to be in a pitch. Uh, and I, I just I think about that. Now. Even saying it seems insane. It's almost like when we're talking about you know when smoking was not considered dangerous in the fifties and the sixties, flying halfway across the world just to, to say hi. I mean, it's just not meaningful. Now you would do that on on Zoom, wouldn't you? Or most of the time, anyway. And that that's something that actually I, I clocked on on your on your blog that you were writing about remote working prior to covid and 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 you you tout yourself as an early zoom adopter <laughs> in in the sense that uh, you were using it actually we we were doing that with meditation as well that we were we were offering zoom access to some of our meetings you know maybe in 2018 we started that and you know nobody understood whatsoever but you know it must have really put you ahead of the game when you started your own business and you had to be remote working, and you were already getting familiar with that. And then suddenly this moment happened where everyone was doing that. Here you are as a consultant talking to people about presentation. You have some expertise in remote working. What was that? I mean, there's there's some of your mojo right there <laughs> as observed by other people that you have an, an expertise in in that way what what was that moment like and, and what do you think that gave to you yeah um i mean it's kind of all wrapped up in um the 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 move out of corporate and into setting up my own business um i mean that was that was a real step into the unknown because i'd been done i'd never worked for myself you know some some people kind of step in and out of corporate Right and their own thing and back in and out. I'd never done that. I'd show no entrepreneurial zeal at all. I don't think in my life I was very comfortable, you know, working in an organisation where I get that paycheck at the end of the month, whatever kind of happened. And and and, and, and as I think I've kind of said, I would dedicate myself to the cause and I, you know, hard work was an important value of mine. Um, so it was a step in into the unknown. So when everything everything shut down in what was it, you know, March 2020, um, my business was was barely a year old by that point. Um, so this is very early on. And all my work, all of it was cancelled. I'd had several workshops all penned in, in to do in London. They all got cancelled. People who uh, I was coaching all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't know if I can afford this anymore. That went... So I had a, I would call it a very wobbly week, Michael. 
in in March 2020. Hey, if it if it was only a week, you are far above and beyond many, many people. <laughs> well, we might come back to why it was only a week when we get All into right, talking good. about meditation. But yeah, I'd call it a very wobbly week. Um, the other big contextual point here is we were at that point uh, two months away from having our first child. So my wife, Denisha, was you know heavily pregnant at this point. I'm like, ah, oh, how am I going to, how are you going to do this? What's it going to look like? So, so back to your point, yeah, about, okay, what, what can I le- lean into that I've got in my locker? If, if these things aren't happening right now, so people don't want to get in a room and they're not allowed to get in a room uh, for me to work with them, what can I do? So I, I went back to things like, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with the whole Zoom thing. I've been working with, as you said, with that for some for some years when I'm not flying around the world for pitches. Um, so I think I've got something here. So quite quickly, it was, okay, what can I package together, create a product, put it out there, um, and tell as many people as possible. Um, and thankfully, um, you know, after a sort of a month or so, I think it was probably after Noah's birth, um, things kind of really settled down a little bit. The phone literally started ringing and people were like, yeah, I think our team, uh, we've been on various video platforms for a little while now and everyone's exhausted and we're not using it as best as we can. What, how can you help us? And that's where, you know, that particular um, product was born and, and saw fruition, which was, which was pleasing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way to turn what, what, could have been seen as a disaster in into an opportunity which you know would be the always the opportunity of change and you know so let's speaking of meditation <laughs> look at the moment that you learned which as i recall was part of the fertility journey for for the two of you and and i wonder if you want to say something about that yeah you know and again, to give it a little bit of context, I'd, I'd never really done any kind of inner work to this point. I've talked about my, my parents' divorce and things like that. I'd never sought therapy, this sort of thing. It wasn't for me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coper, deal with it, you know, just push on through, um, r- rather, rather traditional sort of uh, uh, male attitude, I think, at that point. Um, but we got to a point where, so we'd been married for uh four or five years and you know no baby was emerging and we'd been in the IVF um world for I guess by the time we started meditating a good couple of years and anyone who's listening to this who has any experience personal experience or anyone's close to them who's been through IVF knows it is just incredibly demanding of everything, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, it draws down on everything you have. Um, and for us, it wasn't proving successful. Uh, we'd been through numerous rounds using numerous different clinics and different approaches. Uh, we'd sought advice, um, you might call traditional Western medical advice, and then I think this is, and this is where it really moves into the, the piece around meditation. We'd started, and Danusha certainly started to look more to the East in terms of what else can help us? What else can we do for our health, for our bodies that's going to help us? Um, 
bring a child into the world because that's what we desperately wanted to do. We were very much in love and very much wanted to um, bring a child into this world and, and bring that child up. So, so this, you know, it was a, it was a tough time, a really tough time. And thankfully, as I say, in this, you know, I guess we we're both just starting to look for more because we had to. Um, I kind of look back at it and go, if we hadn't had had our fertility journey, would we be meditators now? I'm not sure, actually. That's I'm not very sure. Interesting. I think mm. it really was the kind of the crucible that kind of formed us that, that we need something. And by wonderful happen chance, Danusha was teaching your child. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> at so, the so school. Our daughter was was at nursery, and Danusha was one of one of her teachers. Yes, and we ended up teaching all of all of the teachers in in the school. Yeah, which is very much in the the Montessori ethos. Um, for them, you know, it felt really good for us to be able to give back to those people who were giving so much to to our daughter, but but you know, work so so hard and so so with such open hearts. And it was something that, you know, I, I see in all of those people, but it, maybe most especially in Danusha, that her ability to be thorough and open and loving and supportive and direct and guiding, all that combination of things, you know, it felt pretty wonderful to offer something that could give them a little support in what it is that they were, they were doing. So, so she learned not having in a certain way, not sought it out, but when the opportunity came, she, she leapt. And what do you remember from when she learned? Like, do you remember it being a moment? Is, is it really, was it a moment? What did you see it happen? I, I think it was because as you say, we, we, we hadn't sorted out, although we were seeking, we were seeking something, um, and you know when the, when when the student is ready, you find the teacher, right? And and she certainly did. And I remember her talking about um, you you both, and remember her talking about the the offer. I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. I know absolutely nothing about this, but it sounds incredible. In fact, actually, what I what if I if I believed I knew anything about meditation, it would have been the stereotypes about meditation okay you're going to kind of you want to sit there in in a lotus position you're going to chant what's that like how is it going to be um so i I think i had some questions in my head nothing that was ever a a barrier but certainly some some misconceptions uh and some questions about it so i remember i remember i remember very vividly doing kind of the four days and you know, saying that, you know, over the weekend, I need to be, I'm going to do very little. I'm going to be probably quite tired. Um, I I think, I'm trying to think exactly when it was. I, I wasn't, we were like at home together. And I I think we'd respected that. Okay, let's not plan anything for this, um, for this week. And, and, and then she started meditating twice a day. And it would, uh, and I, I, as you said, she's a, she's a very diligent person as well. And, you know, when she does something, she does it with absolute commitment. And, you know, she'd wake up in the morning and uh, I'd get up and say, well, I'm going to do my meditation now. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, fine. And I'd kind of go away and in the evening she'd be doing it as well. And I suppose what was going on for me was a lot of curiosity. I wonder what's happening for her in this. So it wasn't, 
you know, it wasn't a great stretch when she, we talked about it and she suggested, look, why don't you do it? You know, I think it's helping me. In fact, I know it's helping me. Um, go back to the IVF piece, you know, there, there is no doubt that the, 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 the female takes so much of the weight of, of, of that process of, of kind of what's going on. So for me, anything that was helping her was a great thing. And she said it was helping. So I think, wonderful. There must be something in this. Um, why don't I just nudge myself forward and commit and do it? And I have to say, I think that was quite unusual for me. As I said, I'd not done any inner work by that point. I'd not been in any kind of therapy. I'd not even been coached actually by that point. So this was quite a step um, for for old me. I kind of refer to myself sort of pre-meditation and after meditation. And this was, you know, the, that kind of old version of myself. I mean, there's a lot of change there. Um, and I remember, I remember, Michael, our phone conversation um, that we had. And I think you just, any questions or concerns I had, you'd put them, my mind at ease. Uh, and we'd spoken specifically about why I was stepping into this, you know, the, the the facility journey, and it just felt right. That's all. That's what really what I remember. It just felt like this is a really important thing to do. So let's do it. I think your your story of coming to it is really interesting because, in a certain way, you know, sometimes people have in their family someone who's, you know, sort of the hippie aunt who introduces them to the possibility of something very different, or, or they have someone, you know, a mentor in their life who, who does this. You know, the fact that, you know, in a certain way you were an unlikely meditation candidate mm, right. in that there hadn't been anything... <clears throat> There hadn't been anything to that point that would have directed you to that. But as you say, that challenge of, of the IVF journey put you into the fire in a way that transformation had to happen. And it is often the story that the woman in a partnership learns and then the man goes, oh, wait a minute, what's going on over there? You know, and and they seem to be getting something, and at least I want to understand it. But often that then turns into, oh, I'll, I'll get me some of that too. And and so it, your story is a really interesting one of the ground in some way being prepped because you were open, but you didn't have the examples until that moment where she learned. And then to to your credit, you you took the leap. What do you remember about those first few days for yourself? I remember I was certainly nervous, but also excited. You know, that's that lovely blend of where those places meet. What's uh, a, where, what was the thought in the nervousness? What what was the fear? The, the the fear was I won't be good at it. It was it was that classic not good enough kind of. Uh, feeling that will emerge for a lot of us at various points in our life, especially with something new. I don't know anything about this. There is a chance I won't be good at it. I will fail. It will be a waste of money. So that was, I think that was sitting in the nervousness um, for me. Um, and, and, the, and the unknown, as, as you said, yes, Danusha had told me an amount of her experience, but I didn't have other, other reference points of lots of people in my life 
who had been meditating for a long time, who I'd seen big shifts and they'd talked to me about it. So there was, there was the unknown piece. Um, and just excited because I can join Danusha on this. So this is something we can do together. Um, I had a, I had a belief it was going to help, um, a, you know, a strong enough belief, as you said, to commit and, and to come. So I, I, I remember Danusha was actually away. I think she was, she was actually in India, um, in Hyderabad at the time. So I'd, I'd been kind of at home by myself, which was great because I could set this, my condition at home. I'd just be, you know, as, as you said, take it very easy. I remember cycling actually to the studio, which is, it was September. It was nice weather. Uh, arriving with some flowers and some fruit, I think, and 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 I was like, I, "What's going to happen?" Um, but being, um, you know, giving myself a bit of credit here, being open-minded enough to just just trust the process, trust Michael, trust that this is going to have an impact uh, on my life. Oh, well, that that credit is well deserved. You you know you were willing to you were willing to jump in. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's 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 really impressive. You you leapt in in a way that I, I you know most people by the time they jump through the hoops and come to meditation, you know when they show up in the room, they're not dragging their heels. But that combination of I, I sometimes call it nervous anticipation. You know, a feeling of, oh, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm excited about getting into whatever it is I don't know. So you had that nervous anticipation moment. You jumped into it. Then what did you notice going forward? What, what, what were the first effects of meditation you seemed to feel? I remember over the, over the course of the weekend, I think what I reflected on uh, what I felt was it felt like other people were having maybe some more intense experiences than I was having. Uh, but thankfully it didn't put me off. Uh, I think you talk to that and it's, you know, we're all different. We've got different things um, that are coming up for us. So I think it was quite a mild effect over that weekend, but the immediate benefit that I noticed was on my energy. Uh, and certainly physical and mental energy. So previous to learning to meditate, I would have an afternoon energy slump around two in the afternoon, you know, kind of post-lunch, quite profound slump. And if I'd have had access to a bed at that sort of time, I would have been on that bed. I'd have had a 30-minute cat nap very happily. And that's just something I, I thought, well, this is just, you know, just the way I'm built and this is just life. Yes. Um, I also would have in the evening, I quite consistently, I would fall asleep at 9 p.m. on the sofa, probably watching something on television almost every night. And then I'd rouse myself, wake up and then go to bed and sleep pretty well. I've always been a, you know, a good sleeper. But I, what I did recognize was those two slumps of energy, they disappeared. So I no longer had that slump in post-lunch and I was not falling asleep at 9 p.m. So for very quickly, I was going, hang on, what's happening here? This is new. This is different. This is exciting. Um, and and I, I remember you talking about on the course, it's like noticing things like this is really important. 
to establish that habit of saying, okay, maybe it's the meditation. Maybe it's the meditation that's having this this effect. So that was the, I would say, the the immediate um, impact of, of learning to meditate. Well, that's, that is a, a really good clarity of attention because, and, you know, this could be related actually to when you're talking about your, your presentations and your going into these organizations, you start to get in the habit of observing yourself and you're presenting and you see what works and you see what comes back to you. And that reinforces that. And, and that habit then serves someone when they learn meditation, because they're doing something that is affecting themselves, but they notice, you know, you have the awareness to see, oh, there's and we use this term a lot, what's the ROI of meditation? What is the return on the investment of 20 minutes twice a day? Because there are other things you could be doing that with that, including taking a nap. You could organize a little lie down at 9 p.m. in the middle of the show. Instead, you did a meditation earlier on. It got you through that afternoon slump. There was the feedback loop. And I got the very same one that you did. I, I didn't notice it for myself, actually. It was a friend of mine who we were sitting watching television, and she looked over and she said, she said, Michael, you're awake. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, what, what do you mean I'm awake? She said, well, it's 9 p.m. and we're watching television. <laughs> I was a little bit insulted. <laughs> but, I, you know, I had to acknowledge, oh, right, usually I would pass out at this point. And I'm not. You, to your credit, again, recognize that for for yourself. And that gives you a, a positive feedback loop that keeps you meditating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and really, I think I needed that. When you say ROI, I had a little laugh because uh, one of my old agencies, that was the strap line. <laughs> the ROI agency, that's what we were all about, is, is that return on investment for clients. And here's me as the client going, yeah, I feel it. I'm getting... A return on this investment uh and for something like me that's really important i'm going to keep on going because there's something in this um so yeah that was that was that was noticed and i think and i i describe it as now it's a constant companion for me my meditation practice knowing that i i i have it i can rely on it um it's it's there for me and i know it will always be there for me and coming back to the you know the ROI point, Michael, it's what a tremendous <laughs> ROI that it is because it, I will always do this for the rest of my life. I know it, um, and it's had many, many other benefits um, since 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 that day in or those times in sort of September 2016 when when I started. What happened next? What happened next, particularly around the fertility journey? And and how did meditation support that? Because that went on for a while. Yeah. So you know that. So if this was 2016 when uh, we were both meditating, um, you know, we didn't actually get pregnant until uh, sort of the tail end of 2019. As I mentioned, Noah came along in in, in May 2020. You know, a real a real lockdown baby. Um, so there was still some time to go, but I, I think. Us now, as a as a as a unit, as a couple, both meditating, and we had more obviously knockbacks in our in our facility journey in, in that time. But we kept going, and we kept going together. So I think it gave us that that unity that 
can be really difficult um, for couples going through IVF. Um, and then when we were in that amazing, you know, I remember the moment of taking the, the pregnancy test like it was yesterday, this incredible moment that happened. Um, I think meditating during the pregnancy was really important uh, for both of us as well, of just, of just keeping, you know, that access to that uh, extra energy, this sort of groundedness, presence, uh, and and then obviously the the unexpected of of dealing with a global pandemic at the same time as, as I mentioned you know business essentially shutting down um, but then having the uh, the ability to think about other things that I could do to to to, to earn the money that we would need as a family um, and to keep us you know both of us very calm in this time you could you know hospitals were having all sorts of restrictions about when you could go in, when you couldn't go in. Conversations were getting very um, tense at times, but we kept our belief in what we wanted. And, and what we wanted was a, a home birth. And that's what we, that's what we managed to achieve, um, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I think, again, if we perhaps hadn't been meditators, maybe we'd have been more swayed by um, the, the kind of the, the views of the of the doctors about no, oh, you you should, really shouldn't do that. You should do it in the hospital. We're not really sure about you know uh, COVID and home births right now. As it was, if we'd had a hospital birth, I would not have been allowed into the delivery room. I would not have been part of that moment. Um, and in our home birth, I was actually the, the first person to touch Noah. I, I literally caught him, wow. which is you know I got shivers down my spine just mentioning this to you now. This 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 moment um that i will never ever forget and it was a beautiful a beautiful thing you know the culmination of this long journey that we'd been on yeah it was incredible that that really really is in incredible and it's an incredible amount of change you went through in that you were in the midst of that journey you decided to leave the corporate world and start your own business you moved to ibiza and then the pandemic happened all sort of boom, 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 put on your professional hat, mojo development. You're looking at someone who's going through that series of, of changes. You specialize in guiding people through change. If you looked at that person who was, who was meditating and finding their way through it, what's the connection or the relationship there? I think... What, what's happening there is is looking at life in a way that look what life is doing to me is one choice we have. Why are all these things happening that I'm not in control of, and why is this having a negative impact on me? So that's 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 one view. The other, and for me being a meditator, this certainly helped, is is having the presence uh, to being in more of a, a flow state versus a resistance state to go, okay, here are some things that are happening. The majority of these are completely outside of my control. Okay, so I need to let some of these feelings, emotions go. What elements could I control or can I control in here? What can I have influence over? And it's almost, you get into a habit of of picking and choosing perhaps between what I, I need to let go of this but this is something I can take on. This is something I can work with. 
this is something I can influence. And when it comes to control, because you know, often we, we we do grasp for control, remembering the only thing or the only person I can control is myself. So making choice about how I decide to respond to things happening, like your client saying, hey, sorry, we can't do that work with you now that we were going to do, versus reacting. And a reaction is very much a, 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 perhaps an overly emotive response where we're not really in the moment. We're not super present. We're creating an awful lot of fear. Oh, I'm not going to do this work. That means I'm not going to, you know, in two months' time, I'm not going to be able to put any invoices out there and we're not going to get paid and how I'm going to pay the rent. And, uh, and this sort of culmination of, 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 of fear, which, you know, leads to more stress. So it's, it's, it's really that option of creating the option of choice. If I can choose how I want to create my own reality. I really can. And for me, going back to sort of doing the inner work on myself, it's the, the meditation came first as the foundation then everything else I do now layers on top of that um, in that belief that I can um, navigate this change that is that is either foreseen or not foreseen. Much of change is not foreseen. But I've got the tools, I've got the confidence um, and the presence to be able to navigate that change. Mm, that is so beautifully stated that that sense that and i'll I'll put it in a slightly different way, maybe in our language that that stability of self that you have inside as a result of meditation as a result of touching that serene inner contented state within then gives you a foundation upon which you can navigate that change. And part of that, and again, this is to your credit, that as someone who came to this an unlikely meditator, now you're in a place where you are being coached and coaching and turning that into a business. You're doing different kinds of personal, internal self-development we would say as a result of having stable, regular, systematic contact with that self. And I think that as an example of, of the possibility of meditation, it has in fact made you, and this, this is a worry that maybe was in your mind, but for many people, you know, is this going to turn me soft, actually? Is this going to make me you know, sort of accepting and maybe just sort of hang out and be happy, but not be driven and engaged in the way that has been important to who I am and what I do and, and my career and the way I move my family forward and, and care for us. And in fact, it did the very opposite. It allowed you to be adaptable and flexible and prospective under those demands, and then as those original demands pass, to continue to be creative and expansive. As I frame it in that way, how does that, to what degree does that reflect your experience? Uh, absolutely. I'm, you know, it, it's, you, you, you summarize it beautifully. And, and, and when you, when you talked about, you know, the soft, I think what actually 
in my meditation practice and more inner work since has done, it's actually perhaps chipped off some of the hard edges around me. But, and those hard edges would often deflect and push away, um, you know, love and opportunity and, and, and curiosity and things like that, because I, I thought they were necessary and I've let those go. And I, I think I'm, it's not, it's not about being soft. It's about being just um, rounded as nature. There's no straight lines in nature. And I just feel a bit more rounded now. And when it comes to, you know, the, the professional realm, perhaps, uh, what I am now is, is significantly more clear. This, this level of clarity that I have in, okay, I'm having a conversation maybe with it's a prospective client now, and I'm a lot more clear about, do I want to work with them? Um, have I got the right product for them? Is this a client who suits my values? And if those things don't match up, then I'm much happier and clearer to say, hey, I don't think this is going to work for us. Maybe I can recommend someone else. Um, so that that acceptance has become really important as well versus, I think, in a say my, my pre-meditation life, much more grasping of, uh, a, of a piece of success, you know, win at any costs uh, kind of mentality. And that has really moved away. Um, and thankfully, as I, you know, I work for myself, I can make those choices. Um, but I also think by doing that, I'm putting, frankly, I'm putting a better energy out there, which my clients who sit in corporate setups are picking up on, um, understand. And I think they then start to make um, better decisions through their greater clarity. So I, I really think it is something that is passed on and on and on. And this, this sense that you know, the more meditators in the world, the world becomes a better place because there's just a better energy that we're <laughs> we're putting out there. Um, so, you know, I do get evangelical about it when when asked. I, I never, ever push meditation on anyone, certainly not my clients. However, when clients are curious about it, I will talk to it and allow them to go on their journey because I think that's what you have to do. You have to go on your own journey and find it in the way that works for you. Well, I think you introduced it to your clients in a beautiful way by interviewing Jillian on on your podcast. Yes, yeah, we had a, a, a wonderful conversation on on the Mojo podcast. So my business is is Mojo Development. The podcast is called the Mojo Podcast. Um, you know, an, an exploration of of this amazing word and conversations with incredible, diverse, and fascinating people. And you know. You know what, Michael, when when I put the podcast together, I thought about both of you very early on as potential guests, and it kind of took me a few series to, to get into it. And then this current series we're in now, the fifth series, is called The Practitioners, and it is conversations with real experts in their field about what they do, what drew them to it, and how that could possibly help you with your mojo. And I just knew a conversation with, with, with one of you two would be uh, amazing for this series. And uh, yeah, Gillian and I had a incredible conversation. It is, it is a great one. I'll, I'll put a link in, in, in the show notes. Oh, one, yeah, please do. And I was just going to say that the, the, the feedback, I always love the feedback I get from, from listeners, but the feedback on that one in particular was very much, wow, thank you for 
clearing away some misconceptions I had. And several people I know have signed up to meditate. And that just makes me just so full of joy that they could experience, you know, what I'm experiencing, maybe something greater than I, I'm experiencing. And, and being part of this, as I say, this, this, this positive energy um, that we're putting out into the world. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful conversation. Oh, that is, that is great. Well, let, let me end here in the way that you begin your podcast, which is how's your mojo right now? <laughs> My mojo is a clear 10 out of 10. Uh, cause I do ask people <laughs> to score it. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, I've, I've, I've loved this conversation. I'm really, um, uh, really touched and very humbled actually to be asked to come on and, and, and tell my story. And I think going through that story, uh, the reflection of it, I've, I'm just full of just lovely warm thoughts um, about what meditation has done for me and my family. You know, we've got a, a, a two and a half month old who sometimes sits with me while I meditate and he'll sit comfortably for five minutes with his eyes closed. So I can't wait to introduce him properly to meditation. Um, so yeah, the, the mojo is, the mojo is high. Thank you. Well, that's, that's great. And, and thank you for, for being so open ab about your journey. You know, I think that is, it's not an easy thing for men in particular, but for anyone who's gone through the journey that, that you all have to, to talk so clearly and openly. And, and, uh, and I think that that does inspire people to get through what their own journey, but to look for tools and opportunities and, you know, to take the, the change that comes, whatever the challenge is. So Richard, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Really enjoyed it. All right. Bye for now. Speaking of Meditation is written and produced by me, Michael Miller, with direction by Jillian Lavender and assistance from Emma Ray. Editing is by James Green at Green Podcast Productions. Original music written and performed by Rich Jock. Graphics by L&L. &L. Speaking of Meditation, what are you noticing? Who's benefiting? And how are you staying inspired? <laughs> <laughs>